Hi, friends. Welcome back to With Great People, the podcast for high-performance teams. I'm Richard Kasparowski. In this episode, I talk with Gil Broza, a mindset and leadership coach. Gil is the author of The Agile Mindset and The Human Side of Agile. His latest book is Agile for Non-Software Teams, and so we focus on non-software teams in our conversation. We explore what makes management teams exceptional. Can management really act as a team? What tears management teams apart and what brings them back together? To support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. Today we have Gil Broza with us. Hi, Gil. How are you? Awesome. How are you? Great. Will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, I have been involved in Agile work for almost 20 years now. I used to be a developer. I was a manager. I was a software architect. And about 15 years ago, I got into XP coaching at the time when XP stood for Windows XP, but (laughs) our kind of XP. And um, yeah, I've been working with dozens of companies. It's coming on, I think I'd say 100 companies so far. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that um, are interested in becoming more Agile and... I work with teams, I work with management, I work with product with, um, and, and more recently with non-software teams. So really I work across and up also that the organization can um, achieve better outcomes with um, happier people. All right. So around 100 organizations now in, in, in the past many years, out of all these organizations, out of all these teams you've worked with, is there one that you could think of as the best team you've ever worked with or the best team you've ever been part of? So I, I had some time to think about this question ahead of time, and I really struggled to find the you know the one best team. And um, and then I realized that uh, one reason I struggled to do that is um, the nature of my job. So I get called in to help when either they're starting agile or they are restarting it because it got broken, right. or or they're kind of you know fixing and improving. And so, you know, people won't pay for consultants when things are great, right? And so um, the teams I see when I come in are all over the spectrum of greatness. Okay. <laughs> spectrum of greatness. Well, so, so here's the deal. You, you can't really have great Agile without a great team. Uh-huh. If you have a great team, you might still have terrible Agile. Right. So my work is not just on the team side. Yes, I wrote the human side of Agile, but it's not the only thing I do. A lot of times the um, the problems really can be anywhere. Yep. Sometimes it's the team. Sometimes it's the overall organizational framework. It can be culture. It can be uh, technical limitations that are killing them. It could be anything. With that said, it's not common that come, I come in and, and the teams are already doing already doing great, but it's the management system that needs help. Okay. So um, in trying to think about which team I really consider a great team, I thought I would talk about a management team. So maybe that will give you a bit of variety. So it's for the podcast, so it's not just, you know, the teams themselves, right? Yes, perfect. Uh, so so tell, tell us more about this management team. Yes. So they work in a department that is in charge of the digital presence of the organization. You know, there's been a digital transformation and this and that. Fairly substantial group. So when I came in, they were, the digital department had, a, I'd say, close to 100 people. And nowadays, they're easily 50% bigger than that. Okay. 
And I got to be with them, you know, a couple of days a month over more than three years. And that is a relatively flat department. So it's inside of a much bigger, more traditional organization. But the department itself is fairly flat. So I would say that, you know, between the senior director that's in charge of it to, you know, line workers, there's usually only one person. In some cases, there's two. Wow. So fairly flat. That's a huge span of influence for the for the people uh, who are in charge. Absolutely, and you know, to be fair, it worries them. It worries them, and sometimes they feel overwhelmed and overworked. And part of what I've been helping them do is really how how to scale leadership without adding, you know, boxes on the org chart. Okay. The way they've been organized, there's a whole bunch of teams. It's not quite a scaled situation, and whatever scale they have had is totally organic. They're, they, they're not using any framework. There are dependencies between the teams. There, are, there is some cross-collaboration between the teams, but it's not like you know this huge program where you, everybody has to be marching you know, at the same cadence or things just break down. So, so the managers, for the longest time, were in charge of functions. You know, the traditional way we graft Agile onto the org structure. So you had, you know, this person would manage this many devs, and this person would manage this many QAs, and so on. And about, I forget exactly when, but I'd say about a couple of years ago, they actually switched that. So now, the same managers are in charge of whole teams. Okay. There is still some kind of functional oversight. There is a couple more directors. Previously, they didn't have them. But by and large, managers there have a um, you know, span of influence that corresponds somehow to the value stream, which, which is really awesome. And they have been working uh, as a management team to uh, fundamentally improve the culture. So yes, they want Agile and the culture they want is you know, kind of informed by, by Agile, but everything they do really comes from the perspective of you know, enabling the workers with you know, the highest level of autonomy that this organization can muster. And as much as they can in terms of you know, reducing friction in the system. Mm-hmm. So in the early days that I worked with them, they would have this type of backlog that they worked through and uh, the backlog had some things to do with, you know, the move to Agile and some things in terms of, you know, setting things up and, uh, you know, just as an example, helping create some more, you know, good practice and tooling around continuous deployment. Sure, delivery. and this is the, the, the management team's backlog? Yes, what what I saw though in the last couple of years, especially since um, there was upgrade in how teams were working, so they were not just you know going through the scrum motions anymore. They they were really being agile. Is that the um, the management team was really focusing on the high value add things that cross the departments that help with even getting into more. Agility in terms of the, the, the hiring and how, you know, even the seating arrangement and technical agility, planning, anytime they engage more people in continuous improvement, things like that. Mm-hmm. And nowadays the team is about 15 managers. Many of them are called managers and the other ones are directors. So there's a couple there that report to others. It hasn't always been smooth. It is definitely a large team. What I've been 
focusing a, you know, a good deal of my involvement on is how to support them in continuing to be like that, yeah. again, without solving it with hierarchy. Yeah. And one thing that I really liked, and you know, th- this would be, um, I suppose, a good recommendation for other people who have this type of situation, is that a year ago, they noticed that they, 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 they weren't aligned as much as they wanted. And yeah. they asked me to facilitate a session for them to really realign them. And um, <laughs> I remember we were calling this uh, renewing our vows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it really took them through what's our mission as a management team, not as the organization or the department, but our management team's mission. What are our values, right? And uh, what sort of working agreements can we make so that we you know, manifest our values and actually get great results? And, and just as an example, one of the working agreements had to do with how they made decisions and how they pursued opportunities. Because up to that point, they were really big in consensus. So they would have lots of meetings and everybody would be heard and, you know, lots of stickies, right? And all of that. But everything felt kind of slow because yeah. they wanted everyone heard and participating. And, and that is terrific and it was important, but they realized it was also slowing them down. And so one of the new working agreements had to do with distinguishing for each opportunity what type of decision-making it should have. Should it involve everyone? Is it okay to simply have a small group of interested people just you know take charge and run with it? And that gives them everybody else's blessing. Is the decision they're looking at something that does require running it by the uh, department head mm-hmm. and so on. And that was another way that helped them scale up again without adding more intermediate levels. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's, let's pull back a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, thinking back about this best team ever, this management team, mm-hmm. summarize all of their goodness or the sensation of, of being with them and, and doing the work with them. Can you summarize all that in one word? Ooh, I, I, okay. Generally, I cannot summarize anything in one word. <laughs> I write books. <laughs> uh, how would I summarize them? Um, you know what? I'm going to use the word aware. Aware. All right. I, I was going to say that they are particularly aware of people and aware of themselves. And, and I think aware kind of summarizes that. Okay. I noticed a lot of discussions around what they had noticed in themselves, in the teams, uh, in the rest of the organization, and and really being um, responsible about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So aware of yeah. themselves, self-awareness, and aware of what's going on around them and the, the, the people in their, in their large group now, 150-ish people. Yeah. Also aware when they could use outside assistance. Oh, interesting. And so... Look, you know, as an outsider, I have some things to share with them they, that, that they may not know already. Or, you know, as a coach, I might point out certain things that they haven't noticed. That, that's just common to any human situation. Yep. But it, this was different from several other clients I had where the management was basically getting on with business, but not entirely noticing mm. what was going on. All right. Now, do you have anything very objective that you could talk about that tells you that this really was the, the best management team ever, the best team ever? Uh, any, any metrics, anything you can point at that is kind of irrefutable, it's not subject to opinion? What about hmm. this team? Well, there is a metric, which I, I can't say makes them the best team 
ever because other management teams did not use it. <laughs> but it is something that they tracked over time and did notice significant improvement. They would do a quarterly engagement survey that was the uh, Gallup 12-question survey, okay. which is something that I think the overall organization is sort of used to doing. And that one has been going on for years now. And every time they get to survey, they, um, you know, they summarize and analyze and, and reflect on this and that. I, I saw the numbers for mm-hmm. several periods uh, going back into just before they got into Agile, which was five years ago. And, you know, through some of the work I started them off three odd years ago on, you know, Agile mindset and what has happened since. And there are questions in that survey that have to do with the quality of management. I mean, I don't remember them, you know, by heart, but but they have to do with how management creates a system that, you know, works for the people. And there there has been significant improvement over time. And, you know, on an absolute level, the numbers are really good. So, Almost all the questions there, the average answer, and they get like an 80% response rate, they are definitely north of four and sometimes north of 4.3, which, you know, considering that, you know, to get a five <laughs> for, yeah. manage, for management in any organization would be pretty much kind of nirvana. Right. And, and this, uh, is a, this is one of those Likert scales. And, and when you score it, it's from one to five, right? Yes. And, you know, for, for anyone to score anyone else five is, yeah. you know next to unheard of. Right, right, right. And and even 4.3 with 80% response rate, that is really, really high. Yes. And the other thing is, you know, if you get 4.3, that's an average. And of course, the question yep. is, well, how much is the dispersal? And the dispersal yep. is actually not too bad. Yep. Uh, it used to be that the, the variance was higher, but nowadays it's less. And, and and the interesting thing is that they keep getting the 80% response rate, despite the fact that, you know, the the group does this every three months. It's like, you know, I've done this survey before. Yeah, yeah. No. That's funny. 80% response rate over and over is is actually a nice metric of engagement. Exactly. Yes. I, maybe it's not exactly 80, maybe it's 70, but it's yeah. no less than 70 for sure. Yeah. I, of course, it fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And and okay, so that's an awesome objective metric in the, the Gallup 12 questions of engagement. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what about other subjective sensations, opinions, feelings, things you notice about this team. Okay, so so I, I will give you one one subjective metric for me. Or yeah, of course it's not a metric; it's an indicator. Okay. So I have many many clients, uh, easily more than a dozen a year, and some clients I really like helping, and, but I'm thinking, you know what? I probably wouldn't enjoy working here. Yeah. I do the best I can for them. I give them the best I have, but maybe the kind of work they do or generally the kind of things they have to deal with, how they approach them. I'm thinking, you know what? I probably would not want to work here full time. Yeah. Thinking of this management team, not the case. So this is the kind of place where I would happily work if I were not in consulting. The other thing I see there is that there is good longevity. Good longevity. Yeah, people stay a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I regularly work with management, and, and of course, there's turnover. I mean, just like there's turnover right. in teams. Over there, not as much. I, I, I think when people have left, it was usually not because of the team or the culture 
uh, or the nature of the work. It was other things. You know, sometimes people leave because they are presented with a wonderful opportunity okay. elsewhere. Some people have left there and come back. I mean, of course, not everybody sees eye to eye. And of course, there is, you know, stuff that I hear privately that I won't hear in a group setting and whatever. But compared to most places, it is it is healthy. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, that, that, that I love these two. Um... I love these two. They're, they're, they're kind of like metrics or indicators. I would like to work there with them. That, that one feels really good. I, I, I totally get that. And then, and then longevity. How long do people stick around when they're, when they're part of that management team? Yes. And the, the other thing is when you look at you know, agile team level, mm-hmm. there is more turnover. It's still far less than the industry average. I live in Toronto. The market now is sizzling like if you're a dev or a tester you can go pretty much anywhere and companies are really having a hard time hiring yeah so so they have lost people due to you know greener pastures so to speak Mm -hmm. again less than the average however the people who are you know consistently there they seem to really like it so turnover both in the the management team and in the, the worker teams is lower than the area average yeah. Yeah. Cool. You you shared a couple of, of their behaviors. One one is that they they keep a backlog for themselves. This management team. Another is they do this quarterly engagement survey. What what are some of their other concrete behaviors that they engage in uh, that leads them to be this this best team ever? Okay. So one thing I I suggested to them early on was to learn how to facilitate meetings. Oh yeah. Every client I go to, meetings are horrible. <laughs> right and sometimes i i'm able to help with that mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's not one of the first things to deal with uh when i came in this was the kind of place where you know you had a meeting everybody showed up with an open laptop yep and did not entirely use it for the purpose of the meeting <laughs> but gently <laughs> so it wasn't just about you know creating you know working agreements or ground rules they put about 60 people through facilitation training it's a two-day wow. course yeah um we have some of the world leading trainers on facilitation in the city uh, they're actually pretty close to where their office is so i just said uh, just just get trained Seriously. And um, I mean, I gave them a bit of training myself for earlier and, the, and then yeah. they got the, um, you know, the people who focus on facilitation, train them. Yeah. And what that has resulted in after, you know, several months of trying is that uh, the meetings are really more collaborative, yeah. more uh, decisions are in fact more consensual and the meetings don't suck. Right. You know, it's as simple as that. <laughs> Right. Another metric: meetings don't suck. Yeah, look, <laughs> the, the, the way the way I, I, I say it, you know, when I when I teach people agile is, you know, the, the agile meetings should have you know high degrees of collaboration and communication and transparency and yep. consensus and self organization. And if you're not getting that effect, do something different. Yeah. And sometimes you have to cancel the meetings and do something else until you have, you know, better ways of using your time. Yeah. But if, you, but you should be going after those effects. And I would say that their meetings have those effects now. Right. And, you know, different people will facilitate. And sometimes they they still ask me because I, I'm a neutral outsider. Sure. Uh, but I will usually not 
facilitate the same meeting for them twice. The second time, it's one of them mm-hmm. who will do it. Yep. So, you know, I have, you know, lots of tools and experience and, and that they may not necessarily have, but once I do it, you know, just once with them, they're good. So yeah, that's yeah. one one thing that, that has happened there. The other thing I mentioned was the thing about mission and values. And it is shocking to me how few management teams call themselves teams, but don't act as teams because there is no overt explicit mission or how do we want to be? And so what, what often happens in, in those management teams is that they're not actually teams. They're just groups with the same director boss or VP right. boss. And they just do turf stuff, right? So everybody does their own thing. And they're not really being a team. Whereas this group very much invests in supporting each other and you know backfilling and backing people up and collaborating so that you know they optimize for the whole. Mm-hmm. Third thing I would say that they have done, and it's not it's not a regular behavior because it's you know high investment type behavior, is that they do experiment with structure. So okay. I mentioned how they moved from functional management to just regular management. That was an experiment. It took <laughs> a lot of thinking and a lot of trying, and, um, and there was a lot of fear, but they tried it and liked it and kept it. They all, again, the the thing about how to really scale management to the level of getting coverage for all the initiatives without getting bogged down in decision-making process, that has been another form of experimentation. And it went through a couple of iterations before they settled on a, on a structure that works for them. Nice. All right. And I loved um, um, earlier, you called it the renewing our vows meeting. I, yeah. I, I remembered this as you were talking about how aligned they are as a group. Yes. And, and part of their challenge with the renewal was that of the original eight members, I think seven or eight remained as the team grew to 15. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you have a little bit of hierarchy inside the group because some are managers and some are directors, and sure. you have new people. They they didn't really have enough of a structure or a framework in place to to handle this growth, and so mm-hmm. they said, "All right, you know, pause. We need to talk about this." They asked me to facilitate the session for them. It turned into three because okay. we had such you know deep conversations. We didn't get through the agenda fast enough because it was important stuff that we couldn't skip, and so it was three sessions. And and then I said, "Okay, maybe you should follow up in six months." And they said, "No, three. <laughs> so they did in three. And and I, I suggested the structure they could use to see how well they're doing on their values. And, you know, in, in six months, they did the same thing totally on their own and, and, and so on. Definitely a lot of learning there. Cool. All right. Do you have any advice for listeners? How could they reproduce some of the, some of the success that this management team has achieved? I, I would say that some of the principles that I've mentioned so far, yep. the experimentation, the the visioning exercise, the, the team values and all of that, they're critical. I mean, we do this stuff with, with dev teams. Management teams should do the same thing as well. Sure. Something else that was very characteristic of this one is that they had, like the top leadership of that team and therefore of the entire department was very interested and open mm-hmm. to the matter of really the, you know, the people first culture that comes with Agile. And even though that had not been their background, they they got into that and uh, and they made it happen. 
So this awareness, this attention to people first and process second, this um, creation, the servant leadership, right? I mean, that, that's what we're talking about here. It, it was very um, apparent at that level. The, uh, the senior director who was in charge of the department actually moved someplace else in the organization and one of the team's members got promoted. He acts differently, but it's the same value system. Okay. It's the same intent. And that is huge because we, we know what it's like when a team has some ideas, but their team, but the leadership has others. And that is not the case here. So, so the big deal really is this type of an alignment around how do we want to be around the value system, not, allowed, not around Scrum, right? It's about how do we want to be? And along the way, we will choose methods, which might look like Scrum or not, who cares, that will allow us to be like that. All right. So thinking about what do we want to be like? <laughs> yes, which is culture and values, right? Culture and values, all right. Your narrative, yeah. All right. Now, do you have anything else you'd like to add? It takes time. <laughs> it takes time. This group has been, you've been working with them for three years. Yes, and before that, they, um, they were on their own for almost two years. Before that, they had a couple of coaches for a short period of time. And before that, no Agile. But the people had been working together for quite some time. So they knew each other. Yeah. But they knew each other from you know, a pre-Agile you know, context, which sure. meant that they were learning together, but they also had whatever baggage they came with. Yeah, all right. Now, how can listeners contact you? All right. Uh, well, there's my website, which is 3pvantage.com. Okay. I'm on LinkedIn, and I love connecting with people, and I especially love when they actually write a note that says why they're connecting with me, because otherwise it's who knows, <laughs> right? And I'm really upset that the LinkedIn app doesn't make that a possibility. Only when you connect with people on a browser, oh yeah, you get to put in the note. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I have lots of free resources on my site. Ooh, right. There's uh, articles and there's videos and there's uh, posters and whatever. So anybody who wants more of me can go to the website. And um, when you sign up for my newsletter, there's a bunch of places on the site. You'll get like an article every two or three weeks to um, help you make an agile reality. Yeah. And my books are still out there. Awesome! Awesome. <laughs> we'll include uh, we'll include links to the website so people can contact you and take advantage of all those awesome resources you share. Cool, Gil Broza. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been it's been great talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. And remember to support this podcast. Sign up for my newsletter at kasparowski.com. <laughs>